Tell them what you know about Wu Tang Clan. That they're something to mess with. They are not <laughs> something to mess with. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was going to drop the whole clan. The Rizza, the Jizza, the old dirty bastard. Inspect the deck. We're calling the chef. We're ghost face killer. And M.E.T. Okay, they are not something to mess with. You said what? I said, okay, they're not something to mess with. They are not something to mess with. You got it. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Hey everybody, welcome to the Gimme Delude podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that's back on the road again. My name's Turner, I'll be your dungeon master and trusty co-pilot along this journey at least for the first five minutes, at which point my narcolepsy is totally kicking in and I am out and you are on your own. So good luck with that, I hope you brought Google. Episode 18, the party loads up and heads south on the hunt for their first stabilizing agent. If you're a new listener, welcome. We appreciate you joining us. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We sincerely appreciate you making time for us and your busy podcast listening schedule. Real quick, if you want to hit us up on socials, you can find us over at GMDLcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, mostly Twitter. We've got a Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast hangout. A little bit after the show, we'll tell you a little bit more. Just a reminder that due to a combination of crude humor, profanity, and fantasy gore, Gimme the Loot is not a family-friendly show. Any specific content warnings will be posted in the show notes below. And with that, let's jump right back into it with Harland as Todd the Tiefling, Andrew as Moyle Mossberg, Jamie as Eldrin Thaneros, Jazz as Fate of Normir, and Anthony as Baba Tunde. Thanks, and hope you enjoy the show. At the end of the last episode, the uh, Sage revealed the RV to you, the the Great Space Coaster. You guys are still kind of hanging out in the garage. Before you is this large, three-wheeled, extremely boxy vehicle. Two large wheels sit underneath the front portion with a single wheel located in the center of the undercarriage of the rear part. It is very similar to the dimensions of what you would would know as a long-haul caravan vehicle, kind of very similar to what the the dwarf drove that you guys met back at the very first waypoint. Think shorter than a semi, but a little bit wider. The Sage walks over to a set of doors where there's a rope ladder, uh, about a three-step rope ladder up to a, a metal door, which he pulls open and he climbs inside and kind of then leans out and waves you in. First crossbow. I called fur. I called first. Ah. <laughs> ah, hammer, hammers. Crossbow. I know. What is cross? What? What do you mean crossbow? You, what are you just naming weapons? He just clearly took claim of the you know the the dominant passenger seat. Yeah, I don't. No, I called I first. Know. That's not a thing. What is that? It's crossbow. What? There's are there? There's no such thing as a shotgun. We live in fantasy world. That's why I said crossbow. <laughs> That's why he called crossbow. But wouldn't first work just to say? I would have accepted blunderbuss. Oh, blunderbuss. <laughs> I think first would indicate Moyle is volunteering to be the primary driver. And as a uh, experienced sailor or riverboat pilot, he would definitely be familiar with driving large vehicles. Unfortunately, his tendency to consume hallucinogenic yes. substances would also yes. lean uh, lean against it. So, Well, there's no such thing as DWIs in this world. So thank goodness for that. <laughs> that you're aware 
aware of. <laughs> the Church of Tritherion does patrol the winding ways, as you guys have experienced. So the Sage gives you a quick tour of the vehicle. The interior of the front cabin is large enough to seat six. Two individual pilot's chairs sit behind two modified uh, ship's wheels, which have been mounted in place. A sundial, which appears to be somehow displaying the time, despite there being no sun inside here or light source, it sits in front of a large globe, which has a glowing dot with your current location on it. Behind the two driver's seats are two separate couches for passengers and a set of double doors, which lead you into a rectangular, almost living combo dining room. There are two banquet style tables with two benches next to them, a small little L-shaped bookshelf in the corner filled with a number of different books with a small table set in front of it with two chairs, a small clay stove next to a food prep area that has a sink built into it. There is a weapons rack and an armor rack against the walls leading to a second set of doors which exit the vehicle as well as the set of doors which pass into the cabin. Kind of on the driver's side of the vehicle in this living area, there is a set of double doors that lead into a sleeping area where four beds with five little foot lockers set at the bottom of it. And then he takes you back into the cargo hold area where he indicates there's a latrine and tub which can be filled up, some stacks of empty crates for storage, a workbench, and then a large glowing stone cube, which vaguely emanates a slightly otherworldly light. Gentlemen, gentlemen, that is the, uh, the power source of the vehicle. Under no circumstances uh, should you open that, damage it, or remove it from the vehicle. Most of the interior was completely trashed. Uh, someone had set up some strange kind of alchemical lab in here, and the place uh, reeked. Uh, it looked like somebody had been living in here for, for years. So when we found it, we emptied it out. We did some magical techno conversion on uh, some of the components and then uh, rebuilt it. My husband and I were going to use it to take our children on vacation and on longer journeys, but I think this would be an excellent, excellent opportunity or mode of transport for you as you carry out uh, both the search for your stabilizing agents as well as any deliveries I should send you out on. Uh, in fact, you can see here, and he he clicks a button next to the workbench and the large back bay door opens and folds down to be both a ramp and kind of a open so that it actually folds into it folds down so there's a ramp so you could you know maybe ride a smaller vehicle into it or even lead a horse up to it and then a larger top kind of door like an SUV basically if it had a almost like a lift gate that went down to the base uh oh, one last thing I forgot to mention up at the front in the cabin uh you'll find two magical circles one of those uh will uh, if you stand in it uh and speak my name it will uh act as a communications device to uh from uh wherever you're at to a matching circle within my lab and then on uh, on the pass on the co-pilot side, there's another magical circle that if I call you, my image will appear in that and we can converse directly. Uh, are there any questions about the vehicle or the arrangements? You have three kids? How often do we have to refuel? Never. Ah! The extremely dangerous power source uh, that was in the vehicle appears to act on, um, uh, well, fate, you might understand this, um, as a, uh, as a uh, e uh, evocation wizard. You deal with using magical energy to stimulate uh, molecules to combust or to, uh, to summon magical force to blast things apart. Now, imagine if at a subatomic level, you could take the very 
very smallest components of reality and use your magical energy to split those in two, what you would find is that it actually creates an additional cascading burst of energy. What's in that box appears to be a, a constant uh, sequence of, uh, uh, of these small, tiny little components being split apart over and over and infused back together. A splitting and fusing of, of, these, of these particles, and it produces a phenomenal amount of energy that we use to power the, uh, the, the RV. Uh, it does, however, also produce uh, a, a, that energy uh, if that box is opened, and it will uh, cause you to get very, very, very sick very, very quickly, or it could explode. Is, is it shielded, like, while it's in the thing? Like, are we safe to, like, stand near it? Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's fine. In fact, he kind of goes and stands on it and knocks a little bit. It's abs- Please, sir, I, you've seen the devices I've built in my lab. I am quite familiar with working with multiversal artifacts, uh, or at least what I believe to be multiversal artifacts. Other people say I'm crazy. Oh, there's other universes. But I, I know that they are. You, are, you gentlemen, are my proof of that. You are exactly what I've been looking for to establish the, the, the credibility I need. But yes, I have shielded it uh, on several levels, but it still occasionally may need to be worked on. So there is a three-tier release system of, well, stone, lead, and mithril. So, so you can open it. And he kind of glances over at Todd and Moyle. And, you know, if you were to smash it open for some reason, not saying that you would, but... We've met, um, and uh, 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 then it could be catastrophic. Uh, Agnum, I didn't take you as a, a fatherly figure. Uh, did you have kids? Oh, no, my, my partner and I uh, adopted. We were adventurers for years and years and years and years. And in fact, if, if, if uh, Teed... I was totally about to ask what his name was. Which, uh, his partner? Yeah. Or his kids? Think of the kids. Eh, I want to know about the partner. We already met the partner, but we didn't get his name. We met the partner? Tied Coates. Yeah, that was the guy with the hammer. That's me. <laughs> no, the two-handed hammer. The guy that you met. I have a two-handed hammer. Uh, so my partner, Tied, and I were adventurers for years. I, you know, just it reached a point where I wanted to explore my studies even further. We discovered a well, this vehicle in the underground ruins outside of the city. And I've just been fascinated with it ever since. It changed the course of my life. And, you know, Tied really likes to hit shit in the face with that big ass hammer. He would be out there fucking caving people's heads in if he still could. But uh, he agreed to you know, take a break from adventuring for a while. And there were some orphans uh, that we had saved uh, because gee, this, light, this world is lousy with orphans. Gentlemen, did you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All over the goddamn place. So uh, we adopted uh, a uh, a small uh, half orc boy, uh, a gnomish lad, and a uh, a half elf girl uh, from uh, from the orphanage. Um, and and you know it's a little bit different here in Taliesin because a lot of the orphans here are the children of adventurers that go off and adventure and just don't ever come back. Makes uh, sense. Uh, so it's not it's not like they're tragic. Tragic. Well, I guess they're still tragic. I guess there's no such thing as a non-tragic orphan, is there? <laughs> um, anyway, um, so no, we adopted them, uh, and uh, we've been taking care of them forever since, and that keeps Tied busy, uh, f- so that uh, so that uh, he doesn't, you know, really start nagging me about going and smashing people in the face. How do you spell his name? T I E D. Tied. So it's tied. No, like diet backwards. Like, let's assume his name was based off Diet Coke in reverse. It'd be Tied. T-E-I-D. Are you really going to fucking argue with me about the fi- fictional pronunciation of a character I came up? I, well, I just did. That's Moyle. 
<laughs> no, that's Andrew. That's not Moyle. You're absolutely right, Moyle. I've been pronouncing my partner's name wrong for the last decade. My God. Well, maybe that's why he left you. I don't know. He didn't leave. He's next door. Are you listening? I heard you say he left you because you want to do more adventuring with your magic. Is there another podcast that you're, you participate in that I'm not aware of? No, he agreed to take a break from adventuring uh, and that we adopted the children and that, that's, that's his focus now. Oh, I thought he wanted a break from you. Oh, I'm sorry, Ognum. <laughs> no, he doesn't know. Okay. Maybe that was just me. All right, we're going to go. Um, is there anything that you gentlemen need? Can we turn this uh, reactor into a weapon? Ooh. Whoa. No, we want the escalation. We First of all, that is a that is a brilliant fucking name for that, Moyle. Good job, sir. Uh, we are going to call this thing a reactor going forward. So, um, yeah. Wait, what was it before? Oh, no. Uh, it was a magical box. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, the uh, this reactor, if you were to smash it, I can't even begin to comprehend the size and the scope of the explosion. Uh, I do know the energy in there is somewhat poisonous, but yes, you know, hypothetically, if one were to smash it, please don't, uh, it would create a tremendous explosion. But is there is there enough power coming from it that we could uh, set up a cannon on top of the roof of this uh, RV. Does this RV have any weapons, defenses, anything? Yeah, they're right there. Is it just recreational right. or is it for adventurers? Isn't this a family RV? Yes, it was It was going to be our family RV. Yeah, I mean, yes, we've got some weapons racks and some armors racks and everything. I mean, look, let's be honest. It's crazy out there. You've seen that shit. There's dragons out there. Well, the, but they were making drugs in it, weren't they? <laughs> well, we don't know that. The previous residents were, yes. I wasn't making drugs in it, well, may, Todd. Maybe there's weapons around from the drug days. Are there? <laughs> is there drug residue or did you already clean it up? Well, I have some hash back in my lab. If you would like to go ahead and just go smoke that, you're more than welcome to. But no, there's no... There are no drugs currently in the RV. Well, if it start, I know it starts with hash. So, what else you got, Ogden? That's that's all I have. Okay. Oil. Although I could brew up, I could brew up something for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you looking to go fast? You looking to go slow? Wait a minute! Aren't you the driver? Hold on. There's no DWIs. <laughs> this is a three wheeled vehicle, so we would not incur those penalties. So, uh, yeah. No, now that I think about it, that you're going to be. You, since you volunteered to be the primary pilot, um, I don't really want to get you that high. Well, what if what? I told you I drive better high? That's what they all say. Everyone says that. Yeah, so I, oblig I have the obligation to say it. Okay, would anyone else like to raise their hand and to be assigned as the pilot of the Eldrin, perhaps? I called first. Uh, I, sure, sure. Why not? I'll drive. Can Eldrin mm -hmm. see in the dark? Yeah, I can see in the dark. Moy, which would you rather be? Would you rather be first or would you like me to make you some drugs? Oh, that's an easy decision. Drugs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Okay, I will, uh, I'll whip you, uh, I'll get that whipped up. And Moyle and Todd, in response to your question, no, there are no weapons currently attached to the vehicle. I could start to work something up for the future, um, now that you guys are using it in that manner. I call dibs on the big bed. Uh, I think that's a two-person bed. Well, I'm the biggest person here. Who's the smallest person? I'll let but them this be little spoon. Um, I, I'm going to, does anybody else have any questions about the vehicle itself? Um, otherwise, I'm going to go brew up Moyle's drugs and send you guys on your way. Is there any sort of security, like, sis, like if we have to park this sucker somewhere? I, I asked for defenses. I wanted a magic cannon. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I no, I told you. First of all, uh, this the, the the exterior shell of this vehicle is the original uh, strange metal that we f that that uh, uh, clearly allowed it to survive a multi-dimensional transfer, um, and is extremely extremely resilient, harder than adamantine and mithril. Now, I'm not going to say it's indestructible, but it is extremely resilient. Those tires are actually the original tires, and they're solid rubber. They can't pop. Um, and yes, it does lock. And he produces a little short wand, Eldrin. I've got one of these. I'm going to hand you this other one. You uh, you tap this to the, the doors and it will lock and unlock the doors. Uh, and you also need to have this on your possession to uh, initiate uh, the vehicle's drive and to get it to, to start moving. Uh, and uh, where is the registration? Um, it's actually, if you uh, go uh, into the pilot's cabin, underneath the co-pilot seat is all your documentation. This is, in fact, actually registered as a magical transport from Taliesin with a sub-registry with the Mercantiles Guild as a long-haul vehicle. Since you guys will occasionally make deliveries for me, uh, if you would need to have a cover story for some reason, you uh, would definitely be able to pass yourselves off as a, a extremely inefficient log. I mean, you're not going to be carrying a ton of targo, but you could sell the story, perhaps, that you guys were a long-haul delivery service of some kind. Do you have a spare key for the vehicle? I originally said I had two, so do you mean a third, or were you just not paying attention, Todd? I may not have been paying attention. I heard you, you gave the key to someone, and then I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Right, and I explicitly mentioned a second one. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Perhaps <laughs> pertinent ones. Do I know how to drive this thing? Like, do I like do I know that there's a gas and a breaker or? Uh, well, no, that it doesn't. It doesn't operate on uh, either liquid or uh, vaporous fuel. Uh, it is powered by the device. Um, now, if you sit in the pilot or co-pilot's chair and grasp. Uh, the wheel. Uh, you steer the wheel just like you were steering a boat uh, okay. to the uh, to the port or starboard. Uh, uh, and then when you are ready to go forward or back, you actually tilt the wheel forward or pull it back towards you. So it's actually on an additional axis. Uh, oh, okay. Very similar to, imagine if you'd looked into another world, and in that world, there were people who flew across the sky in metal tubes and used a, a similar control device to uh, tilt the tube either up or down. It's a similar up and forward and back motion as if it were a plane yoke. Sure. All right. I think I got it. Similar to the airships we have now? Oh, no, no. Those, those, are, those are powered. Uh, are you talking about a, a, a goblin zeppelin or yes. airships? Goblin zeppelin. No, you know, uh, uh, goblin zeppelins, those things are death traps, man. I don't ever want to have to send you guys on one of those. Noted. Excellent. Uh, uh, the, uh, any other questions, how to work the, the, of everything in here is magical. All right. The, uh, I've, I'm very proud of the fact that I've done that. The, uh, the stove is powered by a very, very, very small fire elemental. Um, he shouldn't ever get out. I think you're good there. Uh, oh, the, no. uh, the sink and uh, tub uh, actually will conjure uh, uh, enough water to fill the basin and allow you to clean off. Uh, the uh, Now, the toilet in the bathroom is literally just a stone, uh, a seat on top of a hole in the bottom of the vehicle. So you, the shit just falls right out. But oh, Nothing magical about that, huh? Nothing magical <laughs> no. about that other than the fact uh, you're not shitting in a bucket you have to empty, which is very magical in and of itself. Um, mm -hmm. 
So, uh, what, what other, any other questions? Yes, uh, regarding the sleeping situation, yes, this was my family vehicle, so it does have the, uh, the double bed for me and my partner, and then the three beds for, uh, for uh, our, our children. Um, y'all, there's five of you. Y'all will have to work something out there. I'm sure it'll be fine. Dibs on single bed. Crossbow on a single bed. I already called the big bed, so. Left bed, all the way. Uh, who wants to spoon with me? I've got, I've got an idea. Let's do this. Uh, let, uh, let's do a, uh, and he produces five little tetrahedrons, uh, actual tetrahedrons, not pentahedrons, tetrahedrons, which are pyramid. These are uh, some four-sided dice. Uh, why don't you all roll four-sided dice and uh, we'll assign the beds a numerical value from left to right uh, with one, two, three, four, and uh, see if anybody doubles. Okay, so there, there, Eldrin, you got a one. You get the far left bed. Uh, oh, Todd, four, that'll give you the big bed. <laughs> Loyal, another number four. You and Todd are bunkmates. And then Baba, you get the remainder. See, problem solved. Well, who gets two and three? Fate. No, f- no, no, no. Fate gets. Baba gets two. Fate gets three by elimination. There we go. The, but the most important thing is because the cosmos smiled upon us. Todd and Moyle are bunkmates. <laughs> well, I'm excited. <laughs> it's almost like fate. <laughs> I, I will be uh, taking my sword and splitting this bed in half. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not very nice to I, will, I don't think it has a support uh, for that. Todd, that's a that's a very expensive bed, Todd. Well, whatever. <laughs> yes. Todd, just letting it be known. Todd sleeps with the nightlight on. <laughs> okay. Oh God, okay. Okay. So you've never slept with the nightlight on before. I mean, what? That's that's really strange in and of itself. I mean, uh, we've had yeah, a campfire yeah, uh, the whole time. Uh, <laughs> just let it be known. Uh, that's not that's not true. You wouldn't know, you druggie. Yeah, uh, we already established. First of all, this isn't the first time that Todd and Moyle have bunked together. It is not. Secondly, mm-hmm. we have established that Todd is a sleep stabber, <laughs> um, which which will come up because Harlan put that out there. There will be uh, the occasional role for a sleep stabbing, <laughs> which makes sense going back to his years as an orphan in the fighting pits. Um, that is a useful skill for him to have. Okay, uh, gentlemen, most of the books here are largely historical. Um, there is some light recreational reading and a couple of early reading primers. And he glances over at Todd and Moyle again. Just, just saying, uh, is, uh, is there anything else, gentlemen, before I send you on your way? Where can we find the jinx? The drinks? See, yes. Uh, uh, you, well, uh, there's a bottle of wine or two uh, in the uh, cold storage area underneath the food prep, but that would be it. Thank you. On my way. I mean, the water basin fills up on its own if you Not water. No, oh, okay. I go drink the wine. Baba seems to be developing a little bit of a drinking habit. <laughs> what? You know, notice that too. Coping mechanism is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've got to deal with the rest of us. Is there anything else? I know. Uh, I know, Baba. Probably you want to swing by uh, the Asatars shop on the way out to pick up your yigla. But uh, is there anything else, Jen? Yes, we must see the ass. No. The no. Asatar. Oh, is there food in the kitchen? Uh, it is stocked with about a week's worth of food. Yes. Thank you, Optum. Anytime, Moyle. I'm going to go. All right, let me ask you this real quick. Uppers, downers, give me a, give me a direction here, bud. Oh, make it a roller coaster ride. I, that would probably stop your heart. I can take it. I would prefer not to kill you, Moyle. Just uh, pick, pick a direction, sir, up or down. Uh, let's go up, because I'm driving first, so I'm going to need those amphetamines. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Again, I called first. He did call first. And the uh, dice said number four, which was the big bed, which again would imply first. So, but I I got a number one that that implies first. This is this. I'm taking this very seriously. Oh I need those right. uppers. Someone lock Moyle in the bedroom. I can't see it. I just want to remind you, it's nighttime. I can't see at night, but with the uppers, it should help. Okay, 
Yes, this is. I will watch him. I I will take my key and hide it deep in my pants somewhere, and then I will give the other key to someone else who wants it. Whoa! I think Eldrin just keystered the key. <laughs> he's, he's it. I don't know why you think that would stop me. <laughs> keystone keys aren't that big of an impediment. <laughs> keystone keys. That's a t-shirt. The keister seals. We're raising money for the keister seals. Oh god! Now I've got to create a monster of fucking called keister seals. Keister seals. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to keep it at Ruins Vehicle or Winamajo? You guys can name it whatever you want. There are some spray-painted runes on the side in the ancient language of the Church of Ralashaz that, that say it's the Great Space Coaster, but you guys can name it whatever you want. Todd just wants to name it the Todd Mobile. I did not get that when you typed it. I was like, Wine Majo. Yeah, same here. <laughs> what the hell is that? A Winamajo. I like the Winamajo. Sheila. Um, nobody nobody yeah. else watches Red vs. Blue? I've never heard of it. All right, forget you guys. Whoa. What? Uh, Ognum comes back and he gives you a pouch of white powder. Moyle, and he goes, uh, all right, well, you know, use this uh, sparingly. Uh, I don't think it's addictive. We'll, we'll just have to see. Thank you, Ogden. Anytime, Moyle. Anytime. What a generous guy. Uh, who is driving first, Moyle? Are you driving first? Uh, yes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll passenger. Okay, and then Baba's co-piloting, and then everybody else. Where Are you guys hopping in the passenger seats, or are you going to mill about the other locations of the vehicle? I don't want to get too far away from the, the, the driving area, just because Moyle's I'm going to go back into the uh, kitchen area and read some books. I will be whipping up some tasty morsels. For the whole team, I hope. Nope. Douche. <laughs> <laughs> Can we drive to where my spear is? Like, Yeah, so the, the, the main thoroughfares on in Taliesin are extremely broad. Think of the winding way basically being like a, the width of a four-lane highway. The roadways which run the cardinal points in Taliesin are like an eight-lane highway. They're twice as wide. So the winding ways are wide enough that you guys will be able to drive this thing no problem. Again, you're a little bit wider than the average long-haul caravan vehicle, but it just means you'll have to be kind of careful as you edge by people. I mean, tell us, and again, it's ape shit with people riding in on elephants, the occasional giant wanders through. I mean, it is the no-holds-barred fantasy backlot where you see kind of everything rolling through. So those main thoroughfares are extremely wide to accommodate even sea, like if they needed to roll out siege engines to be able to defend the gates because some kind of fucking giant monster rolled up to try and attack there. They're actually designed to be able to accommodate those siege engines from inside the city. Moel, to the Asatar. To the Asatar. But first... A quick sniff. <laughs> All right, Moyle, you uh, have advantage on initiative for the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. At the end of that five-minute period, you either have to take another toot or you get disadvantage on initiative for the next hour and a half. Oh, interesting. So oh, five minutes. Come on. Give, a, give, me a, give me at least ten. Do you want to go complain to Ognum about the quality mm -hmm. of his drugs that he made you for free? I feel like Moyle. he's cutting them. <laughs> we, do, we do know Moyle will be the first to test out the facilities. This is just going to be it. We should just turn this into an episode based on paid in full. Let's, let's go to the Asatar. <laughs> Ognum clicks a button. A large warehouse door rolls up. You guys pull out. Moyle, give me a, say, uh, shit, let's just do animal handling. Give me an animal handling check. 
And I rolled a 13. All right. Yeah, you are able to navigate the vehicle out of the bay and onto the main thoroughfare, drive down to the Marshall District. Baba hops out, runs over to the Asatar shop. Baba, he greets you. Oh, hey, uh, this is uh, this is ready. I'm going to be honest with you. I got a little, uh, I may have gone a little bit overboard with this thing, but I think I think you'll be okay with it. And he hands you over a solid metal yikula that the, the haft is textured. Mm-hmm. And so it still has that, that kind of grip to it that you would need to be able to fight. It's almost as if tiny little grip points have been hammered in, almost too small for you to see, not so much where it creates an uneven ridge that would unbalance it. Along the, the shaft, there are a number of runes inscribed both in your native language as well as a language that you don't recognize, but if you had to guess, would probably be from Asatigwe, the Asatar's homeland. Mm. Uh, immediately, when you take it into your hand, you know it's it's special. A solid bar of metal like this should weigh considerably more, but it is light as a dagger. You're able to swiftly go through some movements, and it's it's perfectly balanced for your grip. He goes, "Oh yeah, there's uh, mm-hmm. there's one other thing. Like put the base on it and put both hands on those top two runes." And he kind of shows you which runes to to kind of thumb over. Okay, and I, I just do as he says. As you do, and you kind of put the base of the uh, the yikula against the ground and hit those two buttons, it locks in place. Uh, he goes, "So." this thing's got some bells and whistles to it. It will basically act as a, a, a movable rod if you activate those two pieces. You can do that for storage. I thought it had, gave it a kind of cool, you shall not pass vibe. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of different stuff you can do with it. Like immovable object felt really tanky, if you know what I mean. And to unhook it, I, I just... He shows you the other other two runes. To, like there's a different two runes that you put your fingers on and it can pop it right off. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, so that's, uh, uh, it's pretty cool. I actually, it's a experimental alloy that I made. So there, it may have some other properties as you kind of get into it and start using it. So just let me know if it does anything weird. Here's my speaking stone contact info. Just give me a buzz if it does anything weird on you. This will be a plus three Yikula for all intents and purposes. Oh, shit. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Asatar. This is a, a spear worthy of both me, my and your ancestors. Thank you. You know, again, it is so nice to get meet somebody who actually can show a little bit of respect and, and does, uh, you know, has, has got some real manners. You, sir, are a real gentleman amongst buffoons. <laughs> A pleasure doing business with you. It was, I tell you, it was a fun experiment. I love kind of building exotic stuff. I'll be honest with you. I'm still kind of a little disappointed I didn't get to make that cod piece for that other jerk. But, you know, maybe someday. Good luck. Good adventuring. Let me know how it works out. Will do. Thank you. And that's plus three on attack and damage? Uh, yes, that is correct. Thank you. And I take it and get back onto the RV. Cool. You guys load up and head out the southern gate. Looking at the globe up in the primary, you guys are going after Moyle's stabilizer first, right? Is that what yeah. was yeah. ultimately decided? Yes. Okay. Fate sees uh, Baba's new Iklua and he sees all the rooms. I say, ooh, what does that say? Do you mind if I take a look at it? Yes, fine. You can read it. I hand it to him. Here you go. Sweet. Baba, one of the words are inscribed in your traditional tribal high language. I'll let you tell me what is inscribed down one side of it. At the moment, I'm going to let him figure it out. We'll see what he comes up with, and I'll correct him if he gets it wrong. (laughs) See, haha, jokes on you. I wanted to be studious. He, he, he. So I imagine that at first, <laughs> I'm not quite able to make any of this out, but I concentrate real hard, like real hard, just start squinting, right? So Fate's just like, ooh, um, I believe this is supposed to have our ruled here. And uh, so that should translate to, ah, yeah, yes, yes. And then 
I activate my pentahedron ability so I can comprehend everything that I'm looking at. And I try and do it so that nobody sees my my shard lighting up under my skin. <laughs> it lights up. <laughs> Who, where are you doing this at, and where is everybody else at right now? Um, I'm back here in the, the dining area by the kitchen. Okay, so it's Baba, Todd, and Fate in the dining slash recreational area, and Eldrin, you and Moyle are up front driving? Yeah. All right. You don't, guys don't even need to do perception checks, just your passive perception will pick this up. When Fate goes to activate his Comprehend Languages ability, his entry point where the pentahedron hit his skull lights up and stays lit up for the duration of the ability. It uh, Also, you start to see the occasional glimmer and fleck around it, where it looks like the tendrils that formed that kind of beginning of a filigree pattern now are even visible. It'll be like a little streak, like a little trailer almost kind of sparks off and forms the pattern and then fades out. The, the entire pattern is never there at once, but the glow to the central somewhat triangular triangular wound, not wound, triangular mark stays visible the entire time. Now, it's not bright enough to light up a room, but if you were in the dark looking at it, you would be able to see it. What What are you, what are you doing? Are you cheating? What? what? No, of course not. I'm just, I'm studying very hard. I thought you were an astute erudite. Instead, I'm a what a You cheat to figure out astute, okay, never mind. <laughs> Anyways, uh, clearly I believe it says here. Read your books. Nope, nope, I've got nothing. What's this, was this strength, strength and, strength and honor? Strength and honor. No? Strength, honor, and loyalty. Ah, well. Somebody made a friend. He hands it back. <laughs> but I don't know what the Asatar language says. Can you help me with that? So the Asatar text is really long and it literally starts off and fakes goes, thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road <laughs> and back again. He turns it over. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Huh. I guess you did make a friend. Here you go. Thanks. So good guy. Good guy. You guys head out and stream down the highways toward the swamps of Hiko. As you look at the globe, which now is lit up, not just with your location, but the location of your stabilizing agents, Moyo, you realize that you guys are headed back to your original stomping grounds, south to the swamps of Hiko. I know you may be asking yourself right now, was that the shortest episode ever? And why is this guy talking again? Well, because we're changing it up, baby. So with transitioning into a new arc of the show, we saw it as an opportunity to do a little bit of adjustment to some of our formatting. So going forward, start of the show is going to be the, hey, how are you? Any necessary recaps if there's not a recap built into the show? Announcements are going to take place right here in the middle. And then there'll be a little bit more detail about our Patreon over at the end. And I know what you're saying. We fear change. And I would ask, number one, that you not reference Mike Myers' movies from the 90s, but number two, that you give it a shot. We thought maybe breaking some of this information up would make it a little bit easier to digest. And by sticking the Patreon stuff at the end, it lets me get into a little bit more detail with exactly what you get. So announcements for this week. Harlan is still popping up as a guest star in the pop-up film podcast. So check him out there. Jamie continues with Three Angry Gamers. Links in the show notes below. And don't be afraid to hit Jazz and Anthony up on Twitter. I'll get their handles down there as well. We've got a couple of things on the horizon. Within the next two or three weeks, we'll be transitioning DM splaining over to streaming content. Definitely on Twitch, possibly 
possibly on multiple platforms. We really wanted to keep that content alive. It'll also give us the opportunity to do a little bit more interaction specifically with questions for our Patreon supporters or with any of our regular followers. It's going to be a little bit more targeted at specific rule conversations or setting conversations or deeper dives into mechanics. It won't be as lore oriented as some of our DM splinnings were in the past. Just a final roundup on the two organizations I did some charity work recently. Jasper's Game Day ended up raising over $100,000 for suicide awareness and the crew over at the Games Tavern with their streams blew past their goal for supporting No Kid Hungry. Those are all great organizations. Check out Jasper's Game Day, check out No Kid Hungry, and check out the Games Tavern on Twitch. And that'll do it for our first mid-show announcements. Back to the show. Upon setting out and looking at the globe, you guys decide not to make a beeline for where the stabilizing agent is located on the map as that would cause you to drive through the heart of Hiko, a territory heavily controlled by the Church of Tritherion, an organization you don't have the best relationship with. So you guys decide to head south and skirt along the border of Amsun and Hiko until you can reach the coast and potentially head inward into the southern fens from there. You guys set out, leaving the heavy oak, elm, and fey forests of Dak, transitioning eventually into the rolling hills and open prairies of western Amsun, brushing up against the forested mountains of northwestern Hiko along its perimeter, always headed south as the landscape transitions down to the alluvial plains, which transition into the marshy swamp regions that are characteristic to the southern fens. Uh, the trip takes a couple of days, but they're largely uneventful. Uh, you swing through a couple of save points, pick up uh, snacks at, at Bucky's along the way, uh, don't encounter any paladins of Tritherion or really any resistance. Um, it is a extremely pleasant, casual, relaxing trip. You know, not having to worry about camping or pulling over or anything, actually having your own sleeping quarters makes it a fairly quick journey from Taliesin to the swamplands of the south. Now, the swamps of Hiko aren't as thoroughly navigated by the winding ways as other areas, largely because of the, the swampy nature. Um, and frankly, because the the mercantile guild isn't too interested in trading, there's not enough like foot traffic or tourism or casual travel to the area because it's a huge, massive swamp that is populated by wandering tribes of a, a number of different uh, races and species. Yeah, so the southern fens in Hiko is a huge peninsula off the southern coast of Nomir, distinguished by a vast river delta produced by the southern end of the Serpent's Path River. Almost exclusively swamp, the area avoided the general colonial expansion that was conducted by Hiko before the Treaty of Nations calmed that stuff down. While there are scattered tribes of humans, lizard folk, Tabashi, some Triton, Tortles, Yanti, Kobolds, Goblins, the two biggest races are the two most predominant races throughout the area are the stilt dwarves and the dragonborn. Um, the dragonborn reside in these huge buttes that tower up out of the swamp that are hollowed out. Inside each butte is a multi-tiered city which contains the totality of that particular chromatic clans, territory, commerce, basically very, very similar to dwarves, but instead of being below ground, it's up in these 
with the royalty of that particular dragonborn clan uh, residing at the very top. As a rule, the dragonborn clans generally keep to themselves. They're somewhat insular communities that lived in a, a fully contained self-supporting environment within their their Mesa Alspos. The Stilt Dwarves are a little bit of a different story. They've always been focused on the natural gas and oil resources that are extremely predominant in the area. I mean, actually very early on after the signing of the Treaty of Nations, when the Mercantile Guild began to expand deeper into Amsoon, a relationship was struck up between the Stilt Dwarves and the Mercantile Guild. So while the winding ways don't really travel too far into Hiko because of its swampy nature and the, the lack of a kind of return on investment because of the lack of casual travel. There are these elevated highways that run through the swamp to the various oil refineries and oil derrick platforms that have been set up by the Stilt Dwarves as a partnership with the Mercantile Guild. So basically, you guys are approaching Nostal, which is kind of a gateway city to the area. Think of it as a, it is actually a large port. So you actually go all the way down to the the southern coast of Normir to this huge port city, which is kind of the gateway to the southern fens itself. And from here, it's the initiating point for the elevated highways that run deeper through the swamps to these various oil refineries. As you look at the globe, Moyle, you can see that the the dot that indicates where your stabilizing agent would be would be deep into the center of the swamp. Uh, so what would make the most sense would be for you guys to drive to Nostal, get onto one of the elevated cartways, and then head over to a oil derrick close to the dot, park your vehicle there, and then proceed on foot. You've actually been to Dostal before, Moyle. It is as a trade hub and is kind of the gateway to the Southern Fins. This is where a lot of the river boats that travel the Serpent's Path, which is the fantasy equivalent of the Mississippi River in this particular case, this is where a lot of the riverboat work comes from. So this is someplace that you spend a lot of time at, both sober and intoxicated. So as you guys pull into town, the lack of activity stands out to you right away. There are no ships in the port. No riverboats on the docks. The six different elevated highways which hub out from the area all have these huge barriers placed down in front of them. And the streets are largely empty. Um, there's just the occasional out-of-work riverman kind of stumbling by. There is uh, a couple of panhandlers that are sitting on a corner by a pub. But the streets are, are largely empty for the most part. It's the least active you've ever seen this town. Something's afoot. Uh, let's, uh, let's go into to the nearest bar and uh, figure out what's going on over here, boys. Uh, this place should be a little more bustling uh, with uh, commotion. I mean, certainly we can um, we can maybe avoid the bar and still find the uh, the the uh, the conduit that we need for you. Yes. Oh no, no, no! Everyone knows the bar has all the answers. Oh, boy. In every town, the bar has the answers. Did you not get that from your books? Ooh, nice one, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> fate ruffles and just kind of shuts up and keeps moving. You guys head into, uh, it's actually a small little wine bar, La Fromage Grande. As you walk in, the place is, is pretty empty. There's about eight tables and a lone stilt dwarf behind the bar polishing wine glasses. When you guys walk in, he perks up considerably, puts down the wine glass that he was polishing, pops back on his beret and goes, Bonjour, bonjour. Ah, gentlemen, what can I do for you? Glass of wine, please. Ah, red, white, perhaps a nice rosé. Would you like something sparkling? He's a rosé kind of guy. You know, don't tell me what I drink. 
pink. Red. Blood red. Aha! Zotalor! We will bring you a fine Zinfandel. And he kind of roots around behind the bar for a little bit and then pops up a bottle of a deep, deep red wine. Pops the cork. Ah, would you would you care for a pour? Or you kind of strike me as a drink from the bottle, gentleman. I'll take the bottle. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. Uh, five silver, if you please. I exchange the money, give him and take the bottle. Ah, oh, merci, merci. Can I, anything else for you, gentleman? Uh, can I also get a bottle of wine? <laughs> We are a wine bar, so I assure you, you could each get a bottle of wine. What kind of wine would you care for? I'm sorry, sir. Oh, uh, Pardon me. Uh, I would also take a, a red wine. Ah, oh. yeah, that's fine. Something something a little fruity, perhaps? Or would you also like a dark red? No, dark red. There you go, sir. Another five silver, if you please. Uh, here you go. Ah, uh, merci. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. I'll take a wine. Do you have any cheese in crackers or bread? <laughs> Ah, oh, gentlemen, you have come to the right place. Why don't Why don't you grab a table? I will bring you all out a fine selection of our our most aromatic cheeses and a wonderful freshly baked baguette. By any means, take your pick. As you can see, things are a little bit mm, a little bit slow today. I noticed that. And there's no one else in there besides us and him. No, it's just you guys. Okay. Barkeeper, what's your name, Monsieur? Ah, uh, je suis Bruno Vino. Uh, Bruno, tell me what you know about uh, this uh, slow traffic. I used to uh, know these parts. I knew these parts pretty well back in the day, and uh, it's never been this quiet. Oh, yes, it is quite the tragedy. You're familiar then with the uh, with the light tower out on Promontory Point. I'm familiar. Well, what happened to the tower? Well, as you know, for many, many years, it was tended by a number of light keepers. But about three years ago, the Mercantile Guild came in and they installed a magic crystal that automatically ran the light. So we did not need a light keeper anymore. So we would not have to worry should someone fall asleep on the job or, or decide that they did not want to be a keeper anymore or get into some strange, bizarre, psychosexual competition with Willem Dafoe for whatever reason. There are a lot of ring things that can go wrong at a lighthouse. You'd be surprised. Who is, so, uh, who is Willem Dafoe? Actually, the lighthouse keeper, Willem Dafoe, of the lighthouse keeping Dafoes. I thought you said you knew this area. Yeah, I didn't know their name. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, not... What did I care? I, I only needed was the light to get in and get, get to the bar. Ah, not many do. See, I only know because when things went poorly, the Mr. Dafoe would come into my bar and he would drink and he would get very, very angry and talk about how, oh, these these mercantile guild people come in and establish, putting in their automatic lights and taking his job and that how he was being replaced by a machine and he did not care for this. But... What is one to do? It is progress, no? And things have been perfect. But recently, the lighthouse has gone out and anyone who has gone to repair it has not returned. They have disappeared. So uh, the uh, Mercantile Guild has closed down all access until they can figure out what is going on. All the roadways are closed. The ships are not allowed into the port. And uh, since no ships are coming in, the riverboats stopped because there is no trade. And since there is no trade, with the sailors gone and the rivermen gone and the truckers gone, it is very, very bad for us. All the trade that I am so used to accustomed to serving has gone and so now I'm very happy to see you gentlemen here where is a representative of the uh, guild that we could speak to the McIntyre Guild, well, their offices are in Sama, uh, in, uh, in, in, in very, very, very far south of here. You think they'd pay a pretty penny to get this problem fixed? Oh, absolutely. By fixing that, there would be, I am sure, there is a, a significant reward. Oh, boys, I think we should uh, take on the job, but uh, I think we would need to go there and negotiate uh, a price. I mean, I know these stomping grounds pretty well. I don't think it should be too hard, but of course, I don't want to do this job for free. Uh, Todd, wouldn't you agree? Oh, of course. 
I'm sorry. Are, are you suggesting that we travel all the way to Sama to then return here and then take care of the issue? Moyle, you would know that there is a factor's office down by the docks that handles the tariffs and any other additional duties that the Mercantile Guild manages for goods coming in and then being... So you very likely could get in contact with somebody from the Mercantile Guild at that factor's office. Uh, there is uh, someone still occupying the factor's office. Ah, uh. um, yeah, of course. Taxmen, they never go away, do they? Only in our wildest dreams, am I right, Bruno? I do not dream, sir. Stilt dwarves, we do not dream. It is a strange byproduct of growing up in the swamp. Okay. Yeah, that's the fumes, all right. Uh, that's what I missed. It could be. We breathe in quite a bit of methane. Good. They're like the cows of the, uh, the swamps, these uh, still people. Or like the French uh, shepherds that inhabited a region of France that actually walked around on stilts all the time. There is a separate fantasy reason why they're called stilt dwarves. And in fact, they do walk <laughs> around on stilt rigs. But the reason why they sound like a very shitty French accent is because in researching historical swamp societies, because I'm a fucking dungeon master and that's the shit y'all make me do, uh, they're... <laughs> There are paintings of uh, French shepherds wandering around on stilts. And I went, oh, perfect. Well, stilt dwarves will be French. And why did they walk on <laughs> stilts? Because it's a swamp. Duh. Yeah. Duh. Well, I'm asking for the sake of the... Oh, well, you see, I will happily speak of the stilt dwarves. Obviously, so, it's not because it's a firm ground. If they are wallowing in knee-high shit, they might be in uh, stilts too. As a stilt dwarf, as a dwarf, you know, I have a very dense, a very strong body. It's not that I can't swim. It's just I don't float as good as someone else. And you, you see, Mr. Dragonborn, you are from this region, no? I'm uh, no stranger to it, yes. Then you know the bogs and the quicksand. It is, it, they are everywhere here. And so very early on, the stilt dwarves, we developed a rig, we call them, that we wear as part of our traditional gear that allows us to stand taller and navigate the swamps by the use of our stilts and this mechanical apparatus that we put around ourselves. Well, we will uh, we'll finish our drink and our, our cheese and be on our way and go talk to the tax man, I guess, and... Uh See if we can get you some more business. Excellent, excellent, excellent. You gentlemen are my heroes. Uh, here, let me, and he kind of scampers to the back and he brings out a couple of baguettes. He goes, for the road, for the gentlemen, uh, there are some, these baguettes, and there are some, some excellent, excellent brie, uh, and I put some, uh, I put a couple of nice Bordeaux in there as well. Head cheese, do you have some head cheese? I feel like fate would like some head cheese. We are not a charcuterie. Unfortunately, that place was one of the first to close down after things went poorly. We've been, we've, things have been like this for quite some time. It's, it's been a good four or five months since we've had any real business. Oh, wow. All right, boys, you ready to go? Yeah. You good and drunk? Let's roll. Thank you, gentlemen. When you say finish your drinks, are you guys chugging the bottles uh, of wine? Uh, oh, yeah. I, I walked yeah. out with mine. I, I, I'm, I, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm putting mine away in my pack. And the last thing I say is, do not worry, Bruno. We will do what we can to take care of this problem for you. And believe it or not, this next Saturday, we will return here to this spot. Ah, oh, merci. Merci. I, you, you gentlemen are truly heroic. I do appreciate it. Good luck. Au revoir. Good day. You guys head over to the factor's office by the dock. The smell of the port district kind of hits you as you guys approach. Moyle, it's a smell you're familiar with. In fact, it takes you back to working the river. Well, did you ever do any kind of deep water? Did you go out onto the ocean and have a bad experience and that's what made you be a river 
river guy? Well, I mean, I started out on the river because I was born in the swamp. And I don't think I have, I don't think I ever uh, graduated to deep water. I was just fearful of it, but I, it's not like I had a bad experience. Okay. So the, it's just a natural aversion to it. It's not like you tried to go be a deep sea sailor and then like a, like a shipwreck and then, then you decided to stick with, you know, a, it's more like, uh, you know, it's like uh, I have a fear of heights, but I never climbed a mountain. That sort of thing. All right. Moyle leads you over to the factor's office. It's got the large glyph of the Mercantiles Guild out front. There are the number of homeless people uh, greatly increases as you guys kind of come over by the by the dock district. And a lot of them look like, and Moyle, you would identify them at wearing the dress of a riverman or a sailor. You know, a lot of the, the guys who work the boats and the ships are kind of gig employees for all intents and purposes. And the trade being shut down for so long has put them all in a bad spot. And not only are they not making money, but their primary form of transport, the ships and the boats, aren't around or aren't coming into port. So they're they're stuck here. It's now they just kind of hang out in surly little groups down by the docks. Um, but you guys find the factors, uh, walk in. Uh, there is a rather bored looking gnome sitting behind a desk making notes. He glances up at you guys as you walk in and he points over to a like a little box attached to the wall with a little piece of paper sticking out of it. Nerd, read the paper. I mean, uh, fate the paper. Not that I can't read, but that's not. It's going to be so many nerds around. Is sorry. Hold on. Let me calm down again. Um, excuse me. Um, yes. Uh, I just want to point out that Todd and Moyle have been rather disrespectful lately, and there will only be so many more times that I'm called nerd before it becomes a problem. What would you prefer that you call me by my name? Fate, Todd, Moyle. Thank he you. puts people to sleep. That's all he has. He. That's all he can do. He can't do much. I mean, uh, it'll be brought up again, Todd. Am I right? It'll, he'll settle down. So what does it say? What, what, what is it that you have? Give. Snatches it from his hand. Whoa. Talking to me about some manners here. This guy. Uh, it has the number 83 on it. Oh, I wish it was 69. Am I right, boys? <laughs> it just has the number 83. Oh, okay. It's like a balloon deflating. Uh, Mm, 83. That's a familiar number. Did I play lotto with it? Was it what I missed on the craps table? The gnome reaches forward and dings a little bell on his desk and a placard on the front of the desk flaps down and displays the number four. Fuck. And he goes, now serving number four. Oh, Number no. four. Ah, I see now. Is there, uh, anyone want to grease the wheels here? Uh... <laughs> Uh, sir, what, who, there's no one else in this building. How do we get 83? I'm sorry, are you, are you talking to me? Yeah, it's, it's just us and you in here. <laughs> who else would I be talking to? Do, do you have number four? I'm serving number four. Yes, I've got number four. Okay, let me see it. It fell. Well, then I guess you're going to have to get a new number. Bing. Serving number five. Bing. Number five. Oh, 84. Uh, I have it, and I covered my thumb up the eight. Oh, we're number four. I'm sorry, sir. I'm on number five oh, now. Geez. Number four slot is gone. You can go pull another tag if you like. Just wait for number eight. Bing. Serving number six. <sighs> so fate goes into a corner, sits down, and resumes his eating and drinking of wine and cheese. We brought it with you to <laughs> another place? Yeah, I put it in my backpack. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can't bring an open bottle. Can this man be charmed? Can this man be charmed? <laughs> Serving number eight. Oh, I've got number eight. Oh. Okay, let me see right it. Here. Just hand me your slip, please. Yep. Yeah, just hand me your slip, please. Uh, Rip it off. Oh, my God. 
it's stuck, but uh, you can see the eight right here. I uh, know, sir. I need to take it and put it back in the box. We recycle those. Otherwise, it comes out of my check. The Mercantile Guild is the Mercantile Guild. Can I have your slip, please? Uh, okay. Hold it in half. I rip it in half and hand it to him. Slight, slight hand. He goes, oh, oh, <laughs> sir, I am so sorry. That... This is damaged. I can't accept this. It's just a number to be in line. And he pulls a little pamphlet out of one of the drawers of his desk and he writes up, he seems to scribble something. Here you go. And he hands you a bill for 25 gold. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, pay- I'm not paying for that. <laughs> uh, 25 gold for a piece of paper. Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, well, first of all, sir, that's not a piece of paper. That is a number for a Mercantile Guild-sponsored ticketing system. Now, I can't just go down the street and buy another piece of paper to replace it. I have to request, in triplicate, a replacement roll be sent from the home office in Sama, which means that has to go through the main offices, be processed, be put on a ship. That ship has to come all the way up to here. Have you looked outside in the dock? Not a lot of ships are there. So then... Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. wait. Let, maybe we can help you with that, though. I'm sorry, what? Maybe we could help you with the fact that there's not a lot of ships out there. Like, uh, you know, like... Uh, I'm sorry, sir. What number? I'm sorry, what number do you have, sir? I, I don't have a number. Okay, well, then, if you would just grab a number, please, and then when, oh I, get to, when I get to your number, we'll be able to have an in-depth conversation. Unfortunately, uh, if you are with this gentleman here and you do want to do business, we can't do any business until uh, his bill is settled up. I don't see a bill. Or I can take it out of any kind of remuneration that you guys hypothetically would receive. Whatever the case is, bing, serving number... Nine? Well, we'll just wait here. I, I don't know that guy. What? Who is that guy? Uh, I take a number and I go sit, stand, and wait. What, what number do I get? It would be 86 at this point. 86? Jesus Christ. Pouring some of that charm you got there, Moyle. I don't have charm for this guy. What? I got a right hand for this guy. They're, they're talking about the charm person spell, but yes, if you want to attack him, that is an option. I don't know that it's the one that you're looking for, but again, who am I to judge? I'm going to pull up my hammer. And intimidate him. Bing. Number, serving number 10. You're going to try and intimidate him? Yeah. What are you going to say? With a nat 20. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> nice. Oh. I'm going to grab him by the scruff of his neck. Uh-oh. Or the scruff of his collar. The collar of his scruff. <laughs> Seems. The neck of his collar. The collar of his neck. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. You have my attention. What can I do for you? You're not intimidated yet? I'm talking to you. I'm intimidated enough to violate my mercantile guild protocol. I said you have my attention. We're talking now, sir. You you understand? I could lose my job for this. You're not going to lose your job, buddy. Look at you. You're working a post where no one is coming around here. You're talking about numbers. There's no, there's no one coming around here. Buddy, hey. Pal, you have the look of a sailor about you. You know how the mercantile guild is. Somebody's always watching. And he kind of points over his shoulder to a crystal mounted in the upper left-hand corner of the office that fate give me an arcana check. Fate rolled a 21 on his arcana check. Yeah, you know that's a scrying stone. So from over in the corner, fate kind of looks up at the whole situation and like, oh, that's interesting. Then he goes right back down, didn't say a word. Look, what, what do you guys want? What can I do for you? If you're asking about the boats or the ships, I, I can't help you. They are out of commission until the lighthouse is repaired. We can, we can help you with that. Oh, you guys are lighthouse repairmen. Yeah, I, sure. Oh, that is fantastic. So you're you're going to go out to the point and fix the lighthouse? Well, for a fee we are, you know. Well, no, that's fine. I can draw up a standard contract for you guys. Well, let's see it. Okay, just a moment. And he kind of goes back to the back portion of the office and goes over to a filing cabinet, goes down to the third drawer, opens it up. He goes, uh, really quickly, are you... 
are you guys registered with the guild or do I need to get you guys a non-registered uh, mercantile association piece? We're registered. Okay. Do you have your card with you with your number? Damn. Yeah. 84. Remember? No, no, that not that number. Your guild registration number. Oh, yeah, I know you're going to give me back my 25 gold. Oh, no, so that's got to come out of whatever pay you receive. I'm sorry. That's not that's not my decision. Well, then we can't help. We can't help you. Okay. Out. Have a nice day, sir. All right. We'll see you later. <laughs> he puts the contracts back in the filing cabinet, goes back and sits down at his desk. Ding. Serving number 10. Well, boys, it's not as if we need the light anyways. If they don't want the business... And they're just shooting themselves in the foot. You guys aren't going to be able to get onto the elevated highways to go into the swamp until they're reopened. And they are not going to be reopened while this town is shut down. But we can blow, we can blast the uh, the wall, right? You can certainly try. Oh, God. Thank you. I drink more wine. We're going to, let's uh, use the reactor, boys. Let's use <laughs> oh, the reactor. Okay. No, 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 no. How about, we, how about we charm this guy? Yes, yes. How about we charm this guy? We, we had the job. What are you talking about? I don't like this guy. <laughs> Serving number 11. All right. We are not, co- we, we are contractors. We don't have, we need a form. We need a form. Oh, okay. Hang on. All right, I'll go back. He goes back and gets uh, the other contract. Boy, good good use of intimidation since uh, he wasn't intimidated with a nat 20. He was intimidated enough to actually talk to you, which very well could cost him his job, which if you really knew what goes on with the Mercantiles Guild, trust me, that guy was fucking intimidated. To get a bureaucrat to break policy? <laughs> who, am I, who am I talking to here? Am I talking to <laughs> the talking DM to or am I talking to... <laughs> it's easier for me to remember the character voices if I don't have to constantly fucking break them to explain shit that's going on to you guys. <laughs> so in this particular case, you get Getting the conversation in the character <laughs> voice. All right. All right, guys. Sir, did you not have... I can still give you a standard contract, I guess. You just have to... When you when you fill out your 1099 at the end of the system, at the end of the deal, before I can give you payment, as long as you can produce a card carrying uh, a registration number, then I can give you... It's just a different rate. You get, uh, you get a slightly higher rate if you're a registered guild member. You just got to get one of those cards before then, which, okay, whatever. So uh, here's your contract, and then here's your other four contracts. And he hands you... Hands you what looks like about a 60 page binder. If you guys will just uh, initial on page one and sign on page 60, you're good to go. Hold up. Uh, let's read this first, guys. Come on. Okay. What's the rate uh, for, for the repairs? Uh, it's a thousand. It's a thousand. Uh, well, I mean, if you guys get the thing up and running again, it's a thousand gold. Oh, see. Are there any fine print here that I should be worried about? At, at this point, fate stands up and says, okay, now who's the nerd? Gives, uh, snatch the whole contract away from everybody, and I'm investigating this thing page by page. You, you all sit down before we get ourselves tied up in some nonsense. Who all's, who all's going to do some investigation check? I'll do an investigation check. Uh, I'll, I'll read through it just because. But whatever. first, let me get a sniff. Speed, speed. <laughs> How many toots are in? How many toots are in this magical bag that Adam <laughs> generously gave me? Moyle, if you would roll a d12, I will tell you how many toots you have left. Ten toots left. Is that uh, twenty toots? You know, one per nostril. You got to even things out. No, no, ten toots. Quit trying to bargain every single time I tell you something. Hey, Moyle's just here to bargain. It's not a constant negotiation. Okay, so uh, fate. What did you? I'm sorry. What do we get on the investigation rolls? I got a nine. So. Uh, useless. <laughs> not not as useless. Oh no, that's before two. <laughs> the toots do not give you advantage on uh, investigation. They give you advantage on uh, uh, initiative. Uh, initiative. 
Yes, oh. initiative. And then fate, it's a 16 investigation on this contract. Everything looks to be on the up and up. All right. Mm. All right. Well, this seems to be pretty standard and clear. Just Todd turns around and pulls out some reading glasses he doesn't want anyone to see. Oh, God. <laughs> and everybody give me perception checks. <laughs> wait, wait. Can, uh, I, can I give a deception check or a stealth check? Can okay. I get a stealth yes. check? Todd, I will let you do a stealth check. Nat 20 plus six. That's a 26 right there. There is no stealth. Ooh, 25. <laughs> I, I, I'm clearly too busy drinking to even <laughs> notice. <laughs> Fate got a 15 on his perception. Moyle and Eldrin, you see as Todd turns to the corner, he, he slowly slide out a pair of, are they, what do they look like? They're, 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 they're small. They're, they're, they're the ones that you have like one, one handle with the, with the. Are you talking about opera glasses? You got your cheaters, huh? Sure. Yes, <laughs> but not binoculars. So yeah, they look like frame, like glasses frames with a little hinge stem on it. Yes. You see him slide that out, put it over as he starts to read. Uh, Todd. Yeah. Who's the nerd now? Todd, I'm going to talk to you about this in the bedroom. Later. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, what, are we, what are we talking about later? Uh, my apologies, gentlemen. I was a little bit shaken up by your dragonborn friends uh, grabbing me by the collar earlier. I misspoke when I said the thousand gold. It's actually 200 for each of you. But since uh, Mr. Moyle there is registered with the guild, he gets 250. So it's really 1,050 gold. Mm. Oh, that's fine. Well, that seems fair. That sounds fair to me. Uh, it's fine as long as we, uh, you know, uh, append the uh, the contract as such. Oh, no, no. He got the guild contract, so it already right. has his day rate at 250 And we're uh, splitting that 25 between the team, right, as you can see? No, no, that's yours. No. <laughs> but no, no, I'm not splitting that 25 that you, for ripping that ticket, that's yours. More. Yeah, but the, the ticket that you want, you want to Oh, yeah, no, that 20, that, so 225 You're right. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me. I totally forgot. Now, Ball, uh, no, 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 but we're the team. So you have to split it between the team. So yeah, we're not on the same rate though. We're not. Yeah, but we're contracted with one. uh, More, I'm not splitting. We're we're not splitting more. One team. (laughs) We're 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 subcontractors under you. So I mean, I mean, if I give you guys a group rate, then uh, the the guild expects a discount for that. So that actually is going to knock you down to eight fifty. Well, the guild won't get the repair with it. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm cool with 200. It's fine. Uh, I'm going to have to intimidate no, him you. again. No, no. Intimidation coming. <laughs> you just rolled it. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is he trying to intimidate? What are you, so, yeah, what are you doing to intimidate him? Intimidating stuff. <laughs> All kinds of fist shaking and loud and voice raising and uh, aggressive so tonage. Yelling and stamping your feet. He's going full Karen. He's going full Karen in here. He is going full Karen. Oh, God. Karen. <laughs> oh, God. Moyle's going full Karen. <laughs> he goes, okay, well, you know what? We'll just deal with that when you get back, sir. I, w- I won't put it in the contract now. You're right. My bad. I'm sorry. I just have... Woof, woof. You are right. a handful. Very good. And now, a toot. I'm going to take that last one. I still have 10 toots. Oh, okay. This is a toot for success. You know, you got to count the small victories. Oh, God. Okay. So, so where do we go now? We, we, we've, signed, we, we've signed our contract. I've signed my contract. Are we all signing separate contracts? Yes, I have signed mine. I'm, I'm, I signed my contract. Right on the table. Okay. 
Baba? I put my paw on the country. And here's your pen back. You guys know where the, the, uh, the lighthouse is, right? Mole knows. It, yeah. It's the lighthouse. It, it's like right there. Yeah, it's out on Promontory Point. So it is a little bit of a hike away from the city. And the RV, because of the kind of the rocky outcropping that it's on, it's probably more advisable for you guys to park and then head up there on foot. It's a, you know about an hour and a half, two hour walk. Driving it up there, there could be a slight chance that you could drive the RV off a cliff. If you still want to do it, I'll allow it. Yeah. But I wouldn't advise it. I would take a pass mm-hmm. on that. Especially with the two-day driver. Eldrin, can can you remove the, the keister key and, and hit the alarm? We're in a shady neighborhood. I don't want anyone. Yeah, okay. I I, I take the key and I, I uh, walk over. <laughs> Where do you the, take the key from again? My keister. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the, it wasn't up my butt, you know? Like, I just had it in my pants. <laughs> In the deepest pocket. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> Isn't the key a long one? Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> it was a short, I established it was a short stubby wand, not a long one. Uh, <laughs> uh, a short stubby wand, eh? So it's familiar. modeled after Moyle. Why, Why would Ogden yeah. model anything the after? The model. We've just met. Now think of a like a key fob and then double that in length and then turn it into a wand. So it's like twice the length of your standard SUV key fob and a wand. Don't lose the keys to keys. He can't. It's always in his pocket. Nature's pocket. Who has the other key, by the way? Moyle was the other driver, so Moyle would have it right now. That yeah. was days ago. I'm, I'm going to take my key and go lock the, the, the RV. Okay, so who was the last person driving then if Moyle, if you don't have the other key? It wasn't me. I, I drove first, but you know, this is taking days. So you had to have a key. He, he left the key in the in the RV. Okay, I go gra- I go check for the key in the, in the <laughs> RV just to make sure. I'm not, you know, good with the details, so... Of course, I do not bring the key. Yeah, you find it on top of the chest in the bedroom next to a strange white residue. (sighs) Great. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to take the key and... Don't brush that off. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm giving the key to Baba for safekeeping for now. Thank you. I will hold on to it. Uh, Aldrin, give me a uh, perception check real quick. Okay. Oh, Jesus. Nat one. (laughs) Okay, you're good. (laughs) <laughs> oh shit I, didn't I lock the door <laughs> well you're locking the door now oh uh, okay but I don't know that you guys locked the door before oh shit <laughs> how, well, how far away can you lock the door from I mean I went in the thing to grab the keys and I left and then I locked the door yeah, so. yeah, but uh, you guys didn't lock it up when you got out of it the first time. And not Great. being somebody who drives a car regularly kind of getting into the habit of locking it is something that you might want to yeah. In, the, yeah. in the future. Yeah. So you guys head on up the point. Let's be honest. I really uh, just do this show at this point so I can play that theme song. I know I could play it out of context, but it's just not the same. Hey, thanks for hanging in to hear a little bit more about our Patreon. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to help out and help improve the quality of the equipment that we use for the show and the recording environments while earning access to some really cool content and even a little bit of swag, you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash gmdlcast. Just really quickly, the levels start at $3, which will give you access to some behind-the-scenes content, access to our Discord, as well as additional lore dump info. Next level up gets you access to our video PvP tournament, where the party of five and some special guests go 
head-to-head to determine who wins the trophy for that season. We're going to mix that up a little bit in the second seasons with everything from survival challenges where the guys go into an arena and fight escalating CR monsters to see who can survive the longest, a tag team tournament on the horizon, as well as a lot of other cool exclusive video content. There's also the Hunter's Party, which is our Supernatural rewatch and D&D conversion podcast. I'm releasing episode three of that this week. And then further up, it just gets better from there, including DM notes for the scenarios that the Party of Five has played through. If you would want to take people through your own lumberjack, kobold fiasco, t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and even an opportunity to sit down with the gang and play your own session with the Party of Five. So if you're in a position right now where you can help contribute financially to the overall quality of the show, we would absolutely appreciate it if you could go on over there, patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast. Hey, and look, we absolutely understand if you're not in a position to support financially right now, you still can help out the party. Take a minute, head over to whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and click a few stars, subscribe, rate, review, the whole nine that all podcasts always ask for. It really does make a difference in helping us with our visibility to new listeners. And you can tell somebody about the show, friends, family, coworkers, people you see on the streets, assuming you're vaccinated or wearing a mask. Either way, anything that you do helps the party on their journey. And either way, we absolutely just appreciate the fact that you took a little time out of your day to listen to us make dick jokes and stab dragons. Have a good one and hope you enjoyed the show. (laughs) 